you know, until I had, until I, uh, you know, came to menopause, and, you know, I'd, as I said, rode my horse for hours a day. Hmm. I would be in sweaty um, clothes all day. I'd then go for a dog work walk. Um, I couldn't even consider doing that now. But I wasn't aware of my, my vulva or vagina. I could have sex. I was never one of those that... I'd never had a UTI before menopause. I had never been on antibiotics for a UTI. Um, I didn't have to do all this washing before sex, after sex, this, that and the other. And because I wasn't aware of... You know, I could travel on a, six hours sitting in a car with no worries. No way could I do that now. No. Absolutely not possible. And no, you should not be aware of your... Vulva and actually vulvodynia and vulva problems are more common than we realise. And it's assumed thrush. Every itch does not lead to thrush. No. It really doesn't, no. Kia and welcome back to The C Word, the podcast for cancery people. I'm your host, Helen King. If you like what you hear today, subscribe on iTunes and Spotify or come say hi on Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. Today's episode is about menopausal vaginas. And before you switch off, I encourage you to stick around and and listen, especially if you have a vagina or you are in a relationship with someone with a vagina. You see, for many people who go through treatment for breast or gynae cancers, going into an early menopause is one of the many challenges on top of all the other side effects you're coping with. I had a breast cancer that was not hormone receptive, but I was put into a chemical menopause to try and preserve my fertility because when I was diagnosed, I was only 37 and I haven't had children yet. What a lot of people don't realize is that when you're put into a chemical menopause, there's no lead up. You don't go into perimenopause, you go straight bang into full-blown menopause. I found it really hard to come across information about the changes I was experiencing from a, I don't know, maybe even from a humorous or, you know, open way of discussing things. I I think menopause and actually anything to do with vaginas or female, um, you know, gynecological health is still a taboo. And that means that people go into these situations or go through changes in their bodies that they're not prepared for. And it can be, yeah, really hard to find where you go to have honest and, you know, open conversations about this stuff. So I came across a book that my guest today wrote Jane Lewis is a British author and she wrote Me and My Menopausal Vagina after her own experience of going into menopause and experiencing dry vagina. If you're in menopause or you know someone who is going to go through menopause, I highly recommend Jane's book. It was exactly what I needed at the time and yeah, it was a godsend. Recently, I sat down with Jane over Zoom And we talked about dry vaginas. But I'm really excited to talk to you because I, so in 2018 when I was diagnosed with um, breast cancer, I was put into the chemical menopause and um, it is, it's just one of those things they don't really prepare you for. You've got, you're given so much information about what chemo is going to do to you and all these other things. And going into menopause, it's almost like, oh, you might get hot flushes and, and that sort of thing. But no one prepares you for what happens to your vagina. And it's just, no. 
<laughs> it's, it's it, you know it's your vagina, your bladder, your vulva, and your sex life ultimately. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so when yeah. I I don't I cannot even remember how I came across your book, but it was just so needed at the time because I had no idea what to do, and it just felt like one more thing on top of everything else that I was dealing with was how do I now deal with this sore dry vagina? And so yeah. coming across your book was just like, oh, thank God, someone else has written this. So I would love yeah. to go kind of to the start of of your journey or your experience with, with a sore dry vagina. Yeah, okay, cool. So, yeah, I'm 54 and... My problem started about four, well, 45. If I'm really honest, it's probably near 40. But like most women, I thought menopause was hot flushes. You may go a bit crazy. You'd have some very heavy periods and then life would return to normal. I basically thought that what that menopause was. I vaguely remember hearing about HRT back in the, I think it was the 90s probably now or the early 2000s, that it was really, really bad. Um, and I didn't know what it was because I'd never even been on the contraceptive pill myself. So I didn't know. You know, anything. I was a very much au naturel girl. You know, I don't own wear makeup, nothing like that. I was a horsey person. And then suddenly, I used to ride my horse six days a week, sort of three hours a day. So I was a very fit person in tight fitting jodhpurs and, you know, sitting in a saddle. And then it started to get a bit sore. Um, And it had never been sore before. And sex was just starting to become. Slightly painful when I was 40, but it was such an insignificant amount that I didn't even say anything because it was such a, you know, it was a case of did I imagine that or not because it was so insignificant. And I got to my mid-40s and it really did start to get sore. Couldn't ride my horse. And one day I had a look at my vulva because everyone says, oh, it's my vagina that's sore and itching. Well, it's not. Your vagina's inside. It's your vulva that's outside. Mm. And I had a look and I thought, goodness me, I don't know what it looked like. I hadn't looked since I had my children, but I knew it didn't look like that, you know? And um, I got to the point where I, ha- I couldn't ride my horse anymore, but bless him, he had to be put down anyway because he had a-, a condition, so that came at the same time. But I couldn't ride my horse, I couldn't wear underwear, I couldn't wear trousers, I couldn't sit down, I couldn't stay in the cinema, I couldn't do anything that we think of as normal. You know, I didn't ride a bike then, but I wouldn't have been able to ride a bike, nothing. And I got into such a bad state that I I actually did become suicidal with it because no one understands that that bit of dryness, what it can do, especially if it's left to get out of control, it can become extremely bad. So I then went and had counselling with someone in the UK who's called Diane Danzenbrink, um, who's a big menopause campaigner, and she has this big menopause campaign going in the UK. And we've had 120,000 signatures now to bring change around the menopause. So I went and had counselling with her. And I just said one day that I'm going to, on one of my sessions, I was leaving the door on a February morning, or afternoon rather, having had a session with her. And I said, next time I come to you, I'm going to write a book on vaginal dryness. And I went back and we then discussed it for the whole of the next session. And she said, right, I want to see in a month the first chapter, because if you don't do these things you say you're going to do, you never do them. So I scribbled a lot of things together and I showed it my middle daughter and she said, that's great, Mum, but you can't send that out. It's really bad. <laughs> um, so, so basically, my daughter wrote it for me. My young, my middle daughter wrote it, but I, it, I wanted the humour because it has to have humour. 
I felt. Yes. Um, because it's not a funny subject at all. But if you don't bring humour to it, if you're suffering from the condition, you have the right to bring some humour into it. Because the condition is so bizarre that even now I can laugh about it because it is so bizarre that I never knew about this. So we wrote this book um, two years ago, and it was written in five months, start to finish. And she was changing career because she left law to become a teacher and she was moving to Shanghai to live. So it was really all self-published, everything ourselves. And it's two years old now. Um, and I thought it had been forgotten about by now, but it's doing better than ever. And there are medicals, you know, medics in the UK, a lot of medics have bought it and um, read it now. And they want it on the, um, you know, UK med, medical school reading material um, to hear what it's like to be a patient. Yeah, because vaginal dryness, it's an umbrella term of actually 13 other symptoms. It's just an umbrella term. It's like irritable bowel syndrome, mm. IBS. Under that term of vaginal dryness, which is actually officially called worldwide genitourinary syndrome of menopause because it affects the genital area, which is in the vagina, outside on the vulva and the urinary tract area, the bladder and vulva and the whole pelvic floor. And it... And it is such a huge impact because I um, I have a condition called vulvodynia and yeah. it had been quite, I had actually, um, I've gone through some really bad stages with it, but up until about that point, I'd had a good sort of maybe two year, two, three year run where the symptoms were actually almost sort of dormant and really manageable. And for people who don't know what that is, it's basically a chronic pain condition of the vulva. It's another and, umbrella term, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. dinia is Latin. Uh, Latin Dinia is Latin for pain. Yes. Vulva. Yeah, 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 and it um, and it's it's very similar to what you're talking about, and um, mm-hmm. so I had no idea that when I went into this menopause and it caused you know the the dryness and the itchy and things that it it set the vulvodynia off, and when you you know are going through chemo and you've already got the fatigue and all of that stuff, mm-hmm. just one more thing on top of yes. that. It was really um, distressing to to have that, that pain back because, you know, when you've got a sore back, you just say, oh, my back's really sore and it's bothering me. But yeah. you sort of can't go, my vulva is really painful at the moment and it is yes. impacting my quality of life. And um, there was something about your story that really stood out to me because to get a diagnosis of vulvodynia is nearly impossible sometimes. I think it's maybe slightly improved now, but I know that they, they did they die, say that you had lichen sclerosis and thrush? So, yeah, so like, so the thing is, vulvodynia, because I, I do have an aspect of vulvodynia as well. I have something mm. called cured endoneuralgia, which is a pure endo nerve, so the vulva, mm as you perhaps know, is one mass of tiny peripheral nerves, the, the pudendal nerve, peripherals of the pudendal nerve. So, yeah. And basically, you know, vulvodynia is like sciatica or, yeah. or you know, pain in the jaw, the, the, the trichomyalgia. It's pain in the vulva with no, they don't know why. But yeah. very often, if you dig deep enough, they can find a why, but it's having the specialist to find the yeah. why. Um, the problem is vulvodynia, Lichen sclerosis, which is a skin condition that is actually quite common, especially in postmenopausal women, lichen planus, scleroderma, thrush, vaginal dryness, they all have as good as identical symptoms. And you can have multiples of them. So you've got to have a really good medic who knows 
you know, because it's quite common to have lichen sclerosis, especially if postmenopause, and vaginal atrophy at the same, t- same time. Because even if you don't realise it, as good as every woman will get vaginal dryness if you're going to live 80 odd years because it affects the bladder and so many women don't realize it affects the bladder also mm. um but you know vulvodynia all these things are so similar and once you have got vaginal dryness because the medical profession talk about you can have a couple of estrogen tablets up your vagina twice a week or some cream and it's sorted it's not very often it is not at all because what happens is it may become estrogenized again, but the nerves are all alive and awake, and they've been and they've been irritated. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's and um, my experience of being diagnosed. I think it was probably in my twenties, and by that point, I had had a de- over a decade of this and being told, oh, it's chronic thrush, and it wasn't chronic thrush. It may have started off as chronic thrush, but it, mm-hmm. and then morphed and having, um, you know, biopsies. And then I remember one charming <laughs> um, gynecologist um, telling me um, that kind of just, you know, put up with it and I was lucky that I wasn't like that woman sitting in the waiting room who had cancer, you know. And I know, yeah, I know, I know. And I feel like a lot of these issues, um, when it comes to women's health um, Mm -hmm. or gynecological health, Mm -hmm. kind of just expected to put up with it because we're women and this is what happens. Mm -hmm. But as as you've mentioned, that this stuff can be life-altering if it's not dealt with. I know of women who have committed suicide through their vulva pain. Yes, through vaginal dryness or vulvodynia or pure dental neuralgia um, because it gets into your head, it gets into your mind. If you imagine basically a blowtorch between your legs and then intense itching and the feeling that you need to go for a pee 24-7 and stabbing pain sometimes at the vagina and can be at the rectum, um, you can't sit down. Or if you can, you're you're uncomfortable. Um, that would, you know, there are not many who. It either makes you, and as I said, I know women that have committed suicide from groups I've been in, or it affects your quality of life immensely. And until you have have got it or had it, you have no idea. So for those that may have had thrush, because I personally have never had thrush, mm. but I hear that it's itching, sore, and it's burning, yeah, and it then goes. Yeah. That never goes. Yeah. So you have that and it never goes. That's what you have. Yeah. And it's it's really, it's very, very challenging living with it. And I can remember probably when I was around 30, 31, it got really, really bad. And the pain was so intense. I felt like I was going into some sort of shock. Like my whole mm-hmm. body just felt, um, yeah, it just, I don't know how to explain it properly. And yes, the other, yeah. I think the other thing um, with this type of pain is it's very hard to treat in terms of painkillers and things as well. Yeah, um, right. I never found anything that it really responded to in that way. Actually, the the best treatment I ever had was from a um, physiotherapist. She was amazing. Yes. She, that was that was the best kind of. Um, That's right, women's women's health physiotherapists, because yeah. basically they they try and give the triptans like amitriptyline or triptyline gabapentin, prevagabalin. I don't know if you have those. I assume you have those drugs. So they're they're the ones that were antidepressants or for having epilepsy, and they are sort of off license for pain, but they only help about thirty percent. And yeah. 
and opioids can make chronic pain worse. So yeah, women's health physiotherapists can be the best things because everyone basically who has got pelvic pain of whatever type will have what is called an overtight pelvic floor. Yeah. Hypertonic, it will be like this. Yes. So they teach you how to relax the pelvic floor and can and work. And I've seen women's health physios and they are great. They can really yeah. help. But I but I think it, I think the interesting thing about I guess for me, having experienced menopause now and back out, um, because I, that basically I was put into the chemical menopause in the hopes that it, it might protect my fertility. Um, yes. So, because my cancer wasn't, um, it wasn't hormone receptive. Okay. So, yeah, <laughs> I didn't really, um, I didn't necessarily need to be put into menopause. Um, okay. And I don't know whether I'm scared of what's to come now <laughs> because I'm. <laughs> experienced it or whether I, I might be better prepared for it um, yes. because I, I think that some of the things that you you know you talked about in, in the book um, it just the fact that people don't talk about this stuff and you kind of go into it so ill prepared. You do because you know um, as yours is an estrogen receptive, then I, I, I mean, in the UK, you'd be allowed if you wanted to to go onto HRT, and you would be allowed to use local estrogen. That means estrogen within the vagina. Mm. Um, but what we don't realise is, especially the ladies who go into you know early menopause, naturally or surgical or chemical menopause under the age of about forty-five, fifty-ish, is it's your bones that it's your whole health menopause isn't just the hot flushes and cessation of um periods you know estrogen is a protector of our heart bones brain um those main things and um you know a a very common symptom of menopause is itching itching all over you feel like you've got ants under your skin and it's called fornication um and that can be the vulva, you know, as well, because basically what's happening, and we can get something called burning mouth syndrome. I don't know if you ever had that. Mm-hmm. So inside the mouth, it's, it's called burning mouth syndrome. It burns. The tongue and mouth can burn. The mouth dries up. And so your eyes, ears, nose, mouth, your guts, your back passage, your vagina, your bladder, your vulva are all mucosal membranes. Mm-hmm. So when you take that estrogen away, they all dry up. So burning mouth syndrome, which is quite a common symptom of menopause, basically is that's what's happening to your vulva. They are both mucosal membranes that dry up. Um, so, you know, the symptoms of vaginal dryness are, and I've got this list here, <laughs> painful intercourse and smear tests are really a common problem, you know, smear yep. test. Itching vulva, clitoral pain, burning and soreness, more prone to prolapses because you, you lack in estrogen. And a watery discharge, that is one that women do not realise is part of vaginal dryness. And they think they've got thrush. Actually, if you're negative to thrush, it's highly likely that you've got vaginal dryness because the vagina has become irritated inside. Mm. You know, you pee yourself when you um, jump around and all those things. You get up at night to go to the loo a lot. You can't sit down. Abnormal vaginal bleeding with intercourse that you must always get checked out. Splitting and thinning of the vulva skin stress incontinence and UTIs, repeated UTIs are really, really common. And that's the, you know, Euro part of menopause. So that little word of vaginal dryness has all those symptoms under it. And I it's a very similar to vulvodynia. Yeah, it is I was thinking, yeah, that sounds all very familiar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it it really is. And I feel 
that because we don't talk openly about it, it um, that in itself can create part of that misery because you're sort of trapped in this sort of, oh, my God, what is going on? What do I do? Where do I get help? And if I do go and talk to someone, are they going to take me seriously? Um, are all of those things that, that kind of, I think, add to the add to the experience. So I'm really I'm quite intrigued about because you you you've start you've started a Facebook group. What is this a common experience that women mm. just sort of go into the the menopausal phase and all of a sudden go, what on earth is going on? You know, I, I went so, so-called public. I officially went public three years ago because uh, I was in a magazine. And then I ended up on a, a news program where I met Diane. I don't know how I got onto the news, but I did about my vaginal problems. And I've been on the radio a couple of times. And then the book then came out. And then I started my Instagram page, which has nearly got 9,000 followers now. And then yeah. I've got the Facebook page with over 5,000 followers. And women come into the group saying, thank God I've arrived here, wishing they hadn't, but thank God they have. Because they've suddenly realised that that's... Basically, if you suddenly start feeling your vulva or your bladder or your vagina when you didn't before, because you shouldn't be able to feel it unless you're going for a pee-poo or an orgasm. Other than that, you should not be able to feel the area at all. And women suddenly realise, especially if they start using local oestrogen, they realise that, oh, gosh, I did have problems. Yeah. And because this, the statistics are, and there was a recently a YouTube video being done by two very good Italian gynecologists about this, and it's called VVA, Vulval Vaginal Atrophy, the Silent Epidemic. That tells you how bad it is. And they reckon a good 80% of women will suffer in some form or another with vaginal dryness. Um, and if we're an ageing population, which we are, to 80, mm. 85, um, you know, I've done podcasts with a, a doctor who said really that every woman is going to have something in some way. And um, it, is, it's, it is really common. It's, it's one of the most common ones. And the other symptoms potentially will decline, although there are obviously those women who have hot flushes till the day they die. Mm. And we know that. Um, and, and the aching joints, etc., because fibromyalgia is often diagnosed at menopause time when actually it's very similar symptoms to menopausal symptoms. Yeah. But the bladder problems do not get better. They're no. the one that don't get better. And the bladder, vulva, vagina, they're the ones that need treatment. And um, women are very scared of the treatment also. But it is really common. And two years on, especially on my Instagram page, I'm seeing where women are getting very brave now because they would often just view and not say anything because Instagram is much more public. But now they're really getting in the conversation and they're allowing their stories to to be known who they are. Um, The taboo has definitely, since I came about two years on, is definitely, and I'm now without, I'm in about eight books now. Books have been written and I've been asked to contribute to them or I've been put in them and I didn't even realise so word is spreading. Yeah, and it's in, do you know you? I was really struck just then when you said that you shouldn't be aware of your vagina, bladder, bowel, that sort of thing, because that's part of vulvodynia for me is constantly being aware. Mm. Because there's always, even when it's been good, there's always that little bit of thing. Sort of, it's just tapping on your shoulder, just saying, "I'm here." Yeah. 
and it, it just really struck me because to me it's normal. This is this is kind mm. of what it's like in a yeah. mindfulness. It shouldn't, you know, until I had, until I, uh, you know, came to menopause, and, you know, I'd, as I said, rode my horse for hours a day. Mm. I would be in sweaty um, clothes all day. I'd then go for a dog work walk. Um, I couldn't even consider doing that now, but I wasn't aware of my my vulva or vagina i could have sex i was never one of those that i've never had a uti before menopause i have never been on antibiotics for a uti um i didn't have to do all this washing before sex after sex this that and the other and because i wasn't aware of you know i could travel on a six hours sitting in a car with no worries no way could i do that now no absolutely not possible and no you should not be aware of your vulva and actually vulvodynia and vulva problems are more common than we realize and it's assumed thrush. Every itch does not lead to thrush. No, it really doesn't. No. It doesn't. No. No. <laughs> so what have you learned and what is the best advice that you give to people about managing these symptoms? Well, one thing that all women need to do about learning is they need to learn about their body. They need to examine themselves every month like you examine your breast. You need to examine your vulva because one of the things that so many women do because as you know in the uk although we have this percentage around the world roughly who have it only seven to ten percent actually go to their to their doctor or their gynecologist to talk about it so women are self-treating and it is so important you don't self-treat you need to examine yourself you once a month properly open up your inner labia have a look and a feel you look for splits cuts etc if something that is um doesn't go after a month you go and see your doctor um, we mustn't self-treat and you must examine yourself. And um, it's not normal to be sore, itchy and uncomfortable. It really isn't normal. And if, especially if you're in the menopause years, there is generally something that can be done to help it. Um, but also, women who breastfeed can suffer exactly the same way as a menopausal woman because their estrogen levels are low. And it's known about, but it's not talked about. So many women who've had their babies can't have sex because they're in pain or repeat UTIs. And the contraceptive pill progesterone only can cause all these vulvodynia type symptoms yeah and then the you know the treatment for vaginal dryness what you have so many doctors will look at a woman and say you look fine that looks so you look fine i may look fine for my age but believe me uh, you know my skin and that is aging um, my vulva and vagina aging in the same way once they can see your vaginal dryness is bad that is when it's going to be hard to get on top of. So if you start to get the symptoms around the perimenopause, menopause years, you need to be proactive and not reactive about your vulva vagina health. And, you know, there was um, one, I was reading one an article about the book, and I think you mentioned it in the book as well, that idea that doctors seem to often say, this is, this is in your head. Mm-hmm. When it comes to these, when it comes to these types of things, or that idea that well, you're a woman and these are the phases you're going through, and this is just what happens. Mm-hmm. And um, to me, I think that's actually not good enough. Like I know yeah. this is what happens to my body because of the phases or something that's going on, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. my quality of life is being impacted. So why is it good enough? You know, just to say, oh, that's you're a woman, so this yes. is what's going on. You know, we're 51% of the population. And I can say to you now that if up to 80% of men's penises withered, split, bled, had a UTI every time they had sex, 
Um, and they rocked up at the doctor with their, their, their penis basically bleeding and spitting. The doctor would not say to them, use it or lose it. Or it's in your head. Because it can be seen. It's Yeah, use it or lose it. I'm very, I'm quite, I, I don't wonder. Do you ever, have you ever heard that? Has that ever been said to? Yeah. So yeah it, it is not just a, yeah, I mean, yeah. And it's still said now. I have ladies in my group who are still having that said to them in the 21st century to either have a glass of wine or use it and lose it. Yeah. Do you know I've had both of those things said to me by once by a doctor when I was a younger woman when I was probably around twenty one or two mm-hmm. and I was having the issues with what I didn't you know, I didn't know I had vulvodynia. And yeah, I was told in terms of having sex was just, you know, have a glass of wine and relax. Mm-hmm. Would you say that to your daughters, you know, if we and I know you don't have a child, but if mm-hmm. if I was you know, I, I my husband has been excellent all along. I have never once felt, uh, he's never made me feel bad once mm. at all. You marry in sickness and the health. Um, but I hear ladies whose husbands, um, it's their duty to have sex. It is their duty. And I, I, and I have to be very careful what I say because it's not, it's not easy. They're, they're in that relationship. It's not easy to just get up and walk out. I appreciate all these things. But I think if they've got daughters, which a lot of these men have daughters, would, would you be happy for your daughters to be? Basically, laying back and think of England or New Zealand or yeah, whatever. Exactly. You know, yeah, it, it's not acceptable. So, it, sex shouldn't hurt. Sex should not hurt. Um, and uh, yeah, there's there's a, a, a bad. I think it's because I wonder if it's because we are designed to have babies, which is painful if they're vaginal and cesarean, obviously as well. We are designed to have babies. We're designed to stretch and be pulled about. And I think they just think we have to put up with more pain, and and that's it. Tough luck. I do too. I really feel strongly about that. And it's, and I think it's interesting around the sexual stuff because, um, you know, there are so many other ways to be intimate with someone or sexually mm-hmm. intimate with someone that doesn't include penetration that can be just no. as enjoyable and just as kind of connecting with your partner. And so yeah. this so, whole idea around use it or lose it or just relax and, and that sort of thing, if that part of you doesn't feel good, surely you know there are other ways around that where you can still have a sex life yeah we are obsessed with penetrative sex that is the only way you can have sex there is a caveat to that that if you're within the age of needing um smear test still we do have to we don't have to do anything you know it's your own body to do what you like but the smear test is there to have um so it is advisable to have a smear test in the uk it's every three to five years age dependent so we do need to try and keep the vagina in in working order and that can be with dilators and other things but um no you know if your if your vagina is splitting slightly because it can split at the perineum you can actually split and tear and i hear of many women who are using something called lidocaine cream yes. to be able to have yes. sex pain-free pain-free sex to then when it all wears off they've got a split they've been bleeding and to me that is so wrong personally Sex should not hurt. And if your vagina, especially with the menopause years, is bleeding and spitting, every time you have sex, you're traumatising it more. So you need to get it healthier. And and that is, love it or like, love it or hate it, that is through oestrogen into the vagina. I'm not saying about HRT, but into the vagina. And an extremely good lube. But would you run on a broken leg? No, you wouldn't. No. No. Not at all. No. So, in terms of 
our vaginal health or the vulval health and, and the skin and those sorts of things. Mm. Is there anything beyond the, the lube and the um, estrogen cream, if that's something you can have, that people well, people can do to have a healthier um, or yeah. change that? Well, so basically the vagina has a pH level, you know, a healthy pH level. You have to think of your vagina as the Amazon jungle. You've got good and bad bacteria living there together in harmony. With menopause, the pH levels change and more bad can come along. Um, so, and you want to try and get restore that to become healthier again. But as I said, that that, that really is estrogen to do that part but you can have a good quality vaginal moisturizer but it's really important that you don't buy anything that smells of roses or any of that nonsense if you're trying to hide a smell you've got something wrong you need to go and see your doctor you know we, we, we weren't born smelling of lavender so you don't want to be you know <laughs> we just don't want all those things no. so a good a good quality vaginal moisturizer internally and then uh, you know a a, a a good oil base like olive and bee in in um, you have in Australia that was made in Australia by Women's Health Physiotherapist. I assume you can get it in New Zealand. Yeah. That's a really good quality um, oil-based externally. But you have to make sure that you, as I said, don't have the things like lichen sclerosis. So I'm assuming that you do actually have vaginal actually when I'm talking here. Mm, mm. And then there's dilators, which can actually really help. I've got these ones here, um, which, so basically the vagina even if you don't want to have penetrative sex, it is good to try and keep it healthy with dilators, especially if you're going to have a smear test. You need to, right. so if you don't put anything in it at all, there comes a point when it, it will actually not take anything at all in it. Yes. It can become, you know, because in the UK, we have something called Vagifem is one of our type of estrogens, which is tiny. Some women can't even get that in their vagina. It's so wow. closed up. Wow. And yeah. um, Jane is holding up a, a little a tiny glue. Yeah. And that's smaller than the little finger. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, so, yes, like, so dilators are a good way of helping the vagina to gently stretch and become healthier along with the estrogens and the vaginal moisturizer. So you start off with the size of your little finger and mm. you gradually work up over the weeks or months. There's no hurry to get to the size of a penis. Um, but also women's health physiotherapists, I don't know what you call them in, in Australia, uh, New Zealand, sorry, but they can really help with, because um, very often if you've got vaginal dryness or bulbodynia or anything, you've got pain, yes. and that means the pelvic floor has become very tight and hypertonic, a bit like knots in your shoulder or somewhere. Mm. So they can teach you how to relax your pelvic floor, and it could be your hip, it could, the pain could be coming from your hip or your back and your stomach. Yep. So a women's health physiotherapist can really help, but very often it's a combination of a lot of things, not just one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah, that's been my experience. That's, so basically, you know, you know all this yourself because yeah. this is what you've been doing for years probably. It's um, interesting the, though. It's really interesting because I... Um, it's good to be reminded, and and I also think the thing that I, I feel quite passionate about, especially, and not just around gynecological health, but, you know, health in general, is that we take control of our health and our bodies, because um, it's so easy to be, dis, you know, dismissed or misdiagnosed Absolutely. and see doctors as the authority that can't be questioned, yes. Yes. but... Um, I think that it's so important that we know our body so when something's not right, we can go, oh, just a minute, that wasn't like that before. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. good to be reminded of all of those things. 
we have to remove the doctors from the pedestal. We're not, we're not as, we're not in how they, I mean, they, you know, they've saved your life. They are amazing, but mm. they're not God either, which some of them do have that slight God complex. Yes. Unfortunately. And, and, they're, and they're really not. And, and what you ladies can do, so it doesn't matter where you are in the world, on my website, you can print off a leaflet that I've had done about this. And it shows you a picture of the vulva. It tells you all the symptoms and it tells you all the potential treatments. Mm. So if you want to, and they can print that off and take it to their doctor, because very often women don't know how to start the conversation. And it has a picture of the vulva, because very often the pain is actually not right in the vagina per se. Yes, it's more, and it's, and you've got, so you've got what you have, you have the vagina mm. inside, you have the vulva exa, outside, but when you open your inner labia, you have what's called the vestibule. And it's very often that area where your pain is. Yes. 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 Um, because it, that is like inside your mouth, mucosal membrane. And, the, and then what you do is you then divide it into a clock, 12, 6, blah, 9. And very often women with vaginal dryness or bulbodynia have pain at 4 and 8 o'clock of the clock. Mm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a really common place because behind four and eight o'clock of the clock are the Bartholin's glands. Do you know what the Bartholin's glands are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they sit behind there. So with menopause, they dry up because they are your lubricators. So with menopause, they dry up and they are very often painful points for um, vaginal dryness, but equally vulvodynia, which is why they all cross over. I'm, I'm so on this on this post <laughs> on this on this leaf that you can print off on my website, you can then show the picture of the vulva, and you can actually draw marks of where you you know red marks of where you're in pain. It's so because women don't know. Women don't know. They think they say, "Oh, my vul- my my vagina really hurts," and then you say, "Well, is it your vagina?" Yeah. And then they think it's their vulva. And then when you break it down to what I've just said, it's actually the vestibule. Very often, yes, the outer skin can be irritated as well. That's the perineum between the the sort of the vulva and the anus that can be a very sore area and the anus itself can get very sore and itchy due to vaginal dryness because it's all Mm. the same skin but yeah it's very often it's your vestibule that's painful it's so interesting and i wish that this was the stuff that you know even younger women were taught about their bodies that this is you know you know the vagina or your vulva your our genitals aren't gross they're not dirty actually Figuring out what's what is, you know, one of the best things you can do for yourself. Because yeah. when we know our bodies, we can we know when things are going wrong. There's so many young girls, when you actually talk to them, break these things down, they thought it was normal for it to hurt to put a tampax in. It's not normal. No. But the young, they are used, it is seen as, and with porn now, um, especially rough sex etc is becoming more of a thing and much more of a thing and girls young women i think it's quite normal to have painful sex it's not no it's not it's not at all and it's um yeah i I know we've said it a few times now but it's just something that makes me so angry that women um are just expected to put up with this Mm -hmm. and pain and all of these things when when we actually shouldn't it should not no. hurt to sit down it shouldn't hurt to have sex it shouldn't hurt no. if you're menstruating to put in a tampon or you know all of yeah. those things yes yeah yeah because we know it takes roughly seven years it doesn't in the uk anyway seven years to be diagnosed with endometriosis 
because you're sent away with it being oh it's just normal it's in your head type thing yeah and that's the interesting thing I think about periods is that um you know women or people who have had who have periods have such different ones. So, yeah. you know, I know even, you know, my aunt would have a one day period and that was really normal for her. I have a five to eight, you know, and it isn't excruciatingly painful, but yeah. Yeah. when we don't talk openly about it and when we're almost gaslit by medical staff, to, oh, no, yeah. it's fine. What are you talking yeah. about? We are, well, I've had, I've recently had a, a hysteroscopy. Do you know what a hysteroscopy is? Yeah. Um, and um, trouble is, because I know a lot now, in some ways I know too much, and I cannot be led down a garden path blindly. <laughs> I'm not going, you know. So yeah. I know about hysteroscopies. I know that a lot. Some of them, some of them are okay. You, you can go in and be fine. But they generally tell you in the UK that you go um, an hour before you have it done. You have a couple of paracetamol, a couple of ibuprofen. Oh, it's fine. Yeah. Um, we have a petition in the UK. It's been discussed in Parliament just how bad it is for many. Women are passing out. They're being sick because, you know, what they basically do is they get these things in that have to open the cervix up to open it yeah. to put in the camera. Yes. And the majority of women who have hysteroscopies are postmenopausal. They have vaginal dryness. Um, so it will, so I had to have one and I went in there and I said, um, I'll have a general anaesthetic, please. Oh no, you don't need one. I said, and I gave him the, one of my leaflets. I gave him my book. I said, yes, I do. He said, oh, all right then. Okay. Oh, well, I've had one, but I was put out for it. Thankfully. No, in the, in the UK, it, you have it with a paracetamol, a couple of, um, I'm as a general. That is just mm. insanity. And it, I mean, this is slightly different, but it reminds me of this. Um, so I had a, a, what they call a port, a porter cath during chemo to okay. or any of the drugs. And it's yes, just a little thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, because I've got very finicky veins. And so it just made yeah. life a lot easier. And so by the time I had that out, I was so tired. I was I was quite traumatized, I think, by everything I had gone through. Yeah, and, yeah. And I just didn't want any more surgeries. And I wanted to be as sedated as I could be. Thank you very much. Yes. That is what I wanted. And um, I I had this awful anaesthetist standing over me telling me why, you know, basically telling me why I shouldn't and don't be ridiculous and all of this stuff. And it yes, just yeah. me sitting there thinking, you're not listening to me. No. You're, you're no. not hearing my concerns or my worries you're just deciding what's best for me and if and it sounds very much like with hysteroscopies it's the same thing it is. well i think women in general our, our pain is not taken seriously there's a very good book um that i've, I've completely just forgotten <laughs> crazy because when i visited new zealand i took it with me and i left it there but basically we are hidden you know, hidden women, which our pain is just not listened to um, at all. And when you read this book, it is about um, everything is designed around men. Yes. Everything in life is designed around men, even your seatbelt in a car. Um, and um, it is, you know, my own gynecologist who is, is, a, is an amazing, she's a woman, and they have to, you know, there aren't that many women gynees because they, it's quite a misogynist, misogynistic world. Yeah. You know, well, not quite. It is. It is. Um, and that's not saying there aren't amazing male gynecologists, because there are, you know, 
equally. But um, our pain really does have to be taken more more seriously, um, and especially intimate, you know, intimate pain. Um, I can't. Well, you know yourself. When I say I can't describe, we can describe having vulva pain. Eats away at your mind sometimes. It does. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, it does. And I and in terms of sex and things, that can ruin can ruin a relationship if if you don't get help or you don't find a way around it or you're or you don't have the capacity to to vocalize what's going on and then going to a doctor and being told it's in your head it's not that bad i mean no and you have to start complaining i mean ladies in my group now we are a force they're becoming a force they're becoming they're coming in now and becoming really quite empowered women who that were really quite timid um and we give them the facts we give them we have what's called in england the nice guidelines for menopause so they're guidelines um that are written you know and no not every gp can read them so there are so many guidelines um however we tell them to go off you read the guidelines you say what your rights are and we've had this letter that we've put together that they can add bits for them what is right for themselves and women who have been turned away from having their local estrogen are now getting it and they are becoming informed and they are saying, no, I'm not being treated like this anymore. I, you know, because we have Viagra. Do you have Viagra in New Zealand for the men? Viagra. Viagra never runs out in the UK. Men can just get it over the counter like that. You know, and Viagra, quite honestly, if the reason very often a man can't get an erection, there's depression and other things I know, but quite often a few years down the line, it's a sign that there's a heart condition or diabetes coming yes. because it's all to do with circulation. Yes, these men can get their Viagra just like that because men have to have a sex life. Yes. For us women, um, you know, the fact that we can't have sex because of pain is a form of sexual dysfunction. It's no different. But we in the UK have to jump through hoops. Not everyone, but many women have to jump through hoops to get a little bit of estrogen for their vagina to make it healthy again. And that isn't for sex. Sex is the tip of the iceberg. You're really pleased. It's it's the icing on the cake if you can have sex. (laughs) All we want to be able to do is sit down, wear jeans, not split when you bend over, and not to have a UTI every time... You know, you do something, yeah, intimate or even drink the wrong drink. Um, yet we have to really fight for it. Yeah. I, it wouldn't surprise me if it was the same here, to be honest. It, it really wouldn't. And I think that kind of hits it on the head as such. <laughs> our health and our well-being is often not taken seriously. No. No, it's not. No, you know, it's... And it's a worldwide... It is worldwide. And... Um, you know, I'm grateful that the sort of countries we live in, we should be very, very grateful because some of the countries in the world, women really are not listened to. I mean, really not. No, no not at all. So if our listeners are, are, are sort of connecting in with what we're talking about, thinking, oh, God, I need that support. What, what's your website and what Facebook groups can they join? So my so the website to be able to get a leaflet and print it off, uh, it doesn't matter where you live in the world, and it's, it's also been translated into Urdu as well. So the leaflet I've put together, but two GPs have checked it over and one GP has, has translated it into Urdu. But that can be downloaded from www.mymenopausalvagina.co.uk or .com. So that's a li- so that, I mean, not that you can see it, but here's the leaflet that they can take and print off and show their GP. I then have a Facebook 
group, um, which is called basically vaginal atrophy. It has the pictures of lollipops on it. Um, And it's called vaginal atrophy. And there's 5,200 members on there. You can join there. And then on Instagram, where I'm really quite very active, um, my menopausal vagina, it's called. And I do a lot of videos. And I've done a lot of videos with medics. And mm. one is a you know a surgeon herself who's had breast cancer, etc. And I've done it with some doctors and women who have suffered from various ages throughout their life. There's some really, really interesting um, videos on there. And then just some mini ones I do on my own with, with little tips about different things. So I think Instagram is, is a good place to find me. Oh, that's great. I'll chuck some of those links up as well so people can find them. And I highly recommend the book. It got me through. Um, I was at... Uh, yeah, I was in a pretty bad space at that point because I just, it was, I think, you know, on top of the cancer and chemo and everything else, that was just one more thing. I thought, I can't deal with this. <laughs> it's well, like, it, yeah. it, it's an easy, quick read because my daughter wrote, it, it's, it's written for medics or people with dyslexia, basically. Um, but the lollipop, you know, it has a lollipop on the front and, and that really symbolises pain. Yeah. And it has a bit about uh, sex as well, as you know, but it symbolises the, the pain. that When you're in so much pain, you basically want to shove a lollipop up there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think lollipops here are called ice blocks. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but I, I get that. I, I have, yeah. Yeah. I, can yeah. I get that idea? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jane, thank you so much for joining me. I, it, I've i learned a lot and um, I, I feel... I think when when you know that there is stuff that you can do when you have these sort of conditions, it does help um, your mindset because your mindset is often very important with dealing with these things. Yeah, and the fact that you're not alone with it, you know, and you'll be surprised that if you dig deeply enough and ask the right questions, more people than you realise are suffering. Thanks so much for joining me today. The C Word airs every Sunday on Auckland's Planet FM 104.6 FM or online at www.planetaudio.org.nz forward slash the C Word. Thanks for joining me and I'll see you next time.
Get my black queen, black queen. Only the crosses and being obscene. obscene. If I diagnose, can see I know the type. Know they the got drunk, they what? got guns, and yes, what? they want to fight. And they see a young couple having a time that's good. Time and good. the Eagles want to test their brother's manhood. So they came to test me because of my heritage. And the loud, bright colors that I wear. I was a target because I'm a fashion misfit. And the outfit that I'm wearing, brother's kissing it. Well, I stay calm and pray Parts of my dates and anatomy. anatomy. Why, Lord, the brothers had to drill me. Drill Cause me. if I start to hit this man, they'll have to kill me. You see, I am everyday people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, I am everyday people. I told please, please let us pass. I said, please, cause I don't like killing Africans. Africans. But he wouldn't stop, and I ain't Ice Cube. But I had to take the brother out for being hey! rude. And like I said before, said before I was mad by him. It took three or four months to pull me off they of him. Me off but that's him. a story, y'all, story of a black man. Yes, don't stop an African. You see, Es que me 
Planet FM on planetaudio.org.nz